pretty much DoorDash everything now. It's so easy. You get access to all these menus, literally anything you want, and they bring it right to, well, right to your door. Sure, it's a little more pricey, but when you think of the time saved, not to mention the wear and tear on your car, I think it's worth it. To be honest, I don't leave the apartment much. Not anymore. There's not much reason to. I have Amazon Prime. I Instacart whenever I need something that's not already prepared. Everything else you just download or stream. I mean, what's outside anyway? The only thing I don't like, kind of ironically, is the mail. I think it's more to do with how regular it comes. There's no thrill because we all get mail every day, even if it's just junk. On top of this, I can almost always get the normal delivery persons to just leave my stuff at the door so I can avoid the contact. Does anybody really like small talking like that? The mail usually just drops it through the little slot until today when he knocked. I'll admit I, I jumped at the noise. I definitely wasn't expecting it and no one ever knocks. That's why I have the doorbell. Knocking is so violent, just pounding your fist against the only barrier protecting my home. Seems so barbaric and like an ancient custom. I waited a while for him to go away, but he just kept knocking. So I got up and checked through the peephole, which he apparently saw because he yelled out, got a certified letter for you. I went ahead and opened the door as little as was necessary and he smiled at me, added a good afternoon. I didn't respond right away because his sunglasses were so shiny that I saw myself clearly reflected in them. I needed a shave. Well, my face was clean of everything else. No nicks, cuts, bruises, nothing. I realized I had no mirrors in the apartment. Hadn't for a while. When did that start? Okay, I just need a signature, he said, indicating where I should mark. Once more, I paused, blinking to refresh my eyes in case I was seeing the print wrong. The name on the letter was one I hadn't seen in a while. I think it was the neighbors in 4B that called that night. I can't remember their names. I only really met them once, but I used to see the two girls every morning. They either worked together or went to the same school or something. Their car was parked right by the gate, and sometimes I would see them and just give them a smile or a wave, never any words. One day, after we had a fight the previous night, I was late and rushing out to catch the bus, and I saw the girls. I smiled out of habit, and the tall one asked me if I was okay. I was so preoccupied that I hadn't realized that my lip was probably more swollen than it felt. I guess we didn't have mirrors even back then. Since I was already very late, I just jogged off, no explanation. From then on, I just left earlier and catch a different bus, and I never saw them again. They lived right above us, so they probably heard everything for years. I don't know exactly what happened that particular night that made them call. I mean... Maybe it was just all the accrued disturbances. I've never said any of these out loud to anyone other than my sister, so 
Bear with me. One thing they might have heard previous to that night was when I hit the cabinets. I don't, I don't remember it hurting that badly, but it did crack the outside. That was probably more because of my weight than the force of the push, though. That one left me with an almost black bruise on my shoulder, and I think it pinched a nerve, too, because I had um, neck pain for a few weeks even after the bruise was gone. The time my tooth loosened was pretty bad, too, I guess. She was holding my head against the wall by the fridge. Kind of funny, but I couldn't even tell you how I got to that. My memory is like blank until that exact moment. First, she just hit me with the palm of her hand, and it was more scary than painful. I mean, palms are fleshy and soft, and her hands weren't very big. The only thing I was thinking was that I better keep my tongue back. I grind my teeth, so they're pretty sharp. And if I bit right when she made contact, I might take a piece of it off. And I knew she didn't want something that permanent to happen. I think she realized that it wasn't actually hurting. So she started hitting me harder. And when she finally used her knuckles, my jaw got caught against the wall and I felt the tooth shift a little. She must have realized there was no neighbor on the side adjacent to that wall. So I don't know why she didn't think that in those old apartments, the shock and the noise would transfer up and down. That happened a few times, actually, so I'm really surprised none of those got the police there. There was screaming the night the cops got called. Hers, not mine. That must have been what triggered the girls in 4B to call. It's kind of pointless to talk about how we met or what felt like the good times. They almost all felt good, honestly. I don't really know when it changed or I mean, if it really ever did. We met at a bar. I bought her a drink and we talked for a while. I got her number and asked her out for more drinks. Really, it was just us getting drunk and then hooking up at first. Neither of us were, like, very serious, I guess. We had an attraction and didn't get on each other's nerves, so we just kept hanging out. From there, we just started meeting up more and more. Then we moved in together. Then all of a sudden, the police were banging at the door. Of course, she panicked. It would be a hard sell, but when the cops saw that I was bleeding from the ear, I still had the nail marks on my arm. She was completely unharmed. They would know who the threat was. She told me to stay quiet and that she would answer them. She was still for a beat, biting her bottom lip and fumbling with her hands as she tried to just get a grip. She didn't look scared, but she knew she had to be careful. I think almost every time she got like that, it surprised her. Something set her off and she lost all control. Then the moment passed and she probably regretted it. I mean, she never said sorry or anything, but she would always come back to normal. The police just kept pounding and shouting to open. It's scary enough when someone's banging intently onto your door, but when someone yells police over and over, it's horrifying. We're conditioned to become anxious when we hear that word shouted at us. I knew the longer we waited, the angrier they'd get. If they had to kick the door down, she might panic and do something stupid, so I sprung to answer it. She reached out to try to stop me, but I got there and I unlatched it. I always had excuses ready because, well, I had to use them a lot. It was kind of hard at first, but 
Once I got used to the improv, I would think ahead to make that easier. Then I got even more ahead of that. I signed up for MMA classes, and then that became my go-to explanation for the nicks and the bruises. Again, kind of funny because many times, actually, I've had to de-escalate situations with other guys, like physically restrain them, and that was never a problem. Both cups are pretty big. I'm six foot and just under 200 pounds, and they towered over me. They were already very angry, and they spoke to me like I was the perp, which is fair because I'm sure that's the case almost every time. I really tried to explain, but I only got a few words in before she snapped. She reached into the drawer and grabbed the knife. She had never used weapons before, so I knew that, actually, she was very scared. The police drew their guns immediately. I tried to shout over them, but it wasn't even close. She was much better at outshouting them, screaming for them to get out, then screaming at me for opening the door. All she wanted was them to leave her home and give her back her peace. We both wanted that. When they hit the stalemate of all three of them screaming at each other with me in the middle, I thought for a second we were safe. They had to run out of steam at some point. They would tire, calm down, then we could sort it out and then eventually move on. Then I started to think about the long-term effects, because after this episode, there was obviously no going back to normal. The police would know this apartment. The neighbors were either listening or boldly outside watching everything. We would definitely have to move. Then I thought about how good that would be. She hated it here, even though she never explicitly said that. I knew she was stressed out, always so tense. Every day, she just got more and more angry. She complained about the neighbors, how close we were to the busy street, and even the distant parking spot they gave her. When it was raining, she'd come in drenched and ultra-pissed. I, I bought her an umbrella and everything, but for whatever reason, she never used it. I actually used to check the weather every day to see if I should just stay a little later at the office so I'd get home after her. Sometimes I'd stay late even if I just saw clouds. A change of housing was probably just what she needed to get back to her old self. I thought about when we first moved in together, that little broom closet in Atwater. She was always laughing. We were always out doing something, and after we'd come home and watch an episode of whatever old TV show we were working through, we had like one room outside of the bedroom, so we were always right next to each other. We never had the problems we had here. When I got promoted and got the raise that came with it, she was convinced we should upgrade. Then we found this place. Everything got worse almost immediately. If we would have got back to Atwater or found something like that, I'm sure we would have all gone back to normal. That was the exact thought in my head when they shot us. Once again, she channeled her anger back toward me once it boiled over and she charged at me with a knife in her hand. Literally right before, she was screaming about how she never touched me. The police saw the damage on my face that said otherwise, and I couldn't use my MMA excuse because they were shouting so loudly. She got very defensive and said that they had no right to enter her home, and of course she didn't ever hit me. As they kept pressing, I could see that she was getting more and more scared that she was in trouble. And finally, she charged at me. Guess that was just her instinct. So they shot her. Twice, actually. When she came at me, I knew they would panic, 
so I went to grab the closest gun to push the barrel away from her. I actually got it in time and the bullet went into the floor, thankfully missing the people in the apartment underneath us. Right away I felt that knife enter my tricep. It was very sharp, so much so that she pulled it right out and tried again. And that's when the second cop hit her. One bullet right in the throat. She dropped the knife immediately and tried to apply pressure to the gushing blood. Instead of spraying all over the apartment, it just, just ran down her hands and neck and chest. She stumbled backwards and hit the wall. She was trying really hard to stay standing. Her pale blue eyes were wider than I ever saw them. I ran to her, ripped off my shirt, and tried to use some of the pressure to stop the bleeding, pushing my palm hard up against her little neck, but she was already past any help. I couldn't even really use my dominant arm because of the stab wound. I was bleeding pretty badly, too. She eventually slid down the wall and then just looked up at me. I could barely see her face through my own tears. She was so scared. I think I told her to just hang on. Probably said something about the ambulance being on the way. I got one final look into her eyes, then she closed them. She stopped breathing. I think I cried for a week straight. More cops showed up and of course they couldn't understand why the victim was acting like this. Guess they thought I should have been relieved or something. Instead, I just kept my arms locked around her and my hand pressed on the wound. I did understand enough to drop any discipline for interfering with the officer's weapon, though. I took about a month off of work. Like I said, I mostly just sat in bed and cried. Seriously, like, all day, all night. I couldn't believe she was gone. This was our apartment. Her not being here didn't make any sense. I promised myself that I'd move out as soon as possible. I couldn't imagine staying in the home we shared and where it all came crashing down. A few weeks later, my sister came over and stood with me for a few days. She took off work, too. It was really great, actually. She brought over a bunch of board games. She taught me to play because I haven't played any of these new weird ones. I'm sure every time I won, it was because she let me, which is funny because... She's extremely competitive, and I don't think she's ever even lightened up on me, even when we used to play as kids. It was nice how she waited a few days for me to bring anything up. It was like a summer sleepover for those first nights. Just junk food and stand-up comedy specials, with the board games mixed in, of course. When I finally was ready to talk a little about how I wanted to move because it was just too much to stay here, especially alone, she heard me out. Then when she spoke... I learned she apparently had a lot to say, and she had been holding it in for years because she never knew how or when to say it. She told me it had been very painful seeing me change over my time here. It was true. I almost immediately began spending less time with my family in favor of time with her. She almost never came with me to my family stuff. Then my sister started to cry when she told me how hurt and weakened I looked when she did manage to find some time with me. She mentioned the swelling and the nicks on my face. Then she said how she was either too cowardly or too stupid to know how to speak up to me about it. Basically, she said she just wanted me to understand that I was being abused for a very long time, but that I was free now. 
As many times as people told me, it still didn't seem crazy that I almost killed myself protecting someone who was literally in the act of trying to kill me. I mean, I still don't even believe that's what her endgame was. Remember, she was very scared at the time, not thinking very straight, and stuff like that happened a lot. I know that doesn't sound like a good thing, but I had survived so far. Whatever that's worth. I really hope that'll make less sense to me one day. I was hoping I'd get it at least before all the bruises healed. So yeah, I'm still here. But it's been a good amount of time since I've seen or even heard that name. I definitely hadn't gotten any of her mail. It was right there. All the letters in the black ink. I think I was just starting to turn that corner accepting that she was gone, too. The postman asked again for me to sign, but I couldn't. I shook my head without a word. He confirmed that I was refusing the letter, and I nodded. I could tell he was freaked out. Maybe he knew what happened. Maybe it wasn't even a real letter, and he just wanted to see the guy who sheltered someone who beat him repeatedly, and who enveloped his entire identity, then buried it so deep he couldn't even find it when she left. Whatever it was, he smiled and tucked it back into his bag. I pinched a smile back and watched him walk down the hallway to the stairs before closing my door. It's weird, I got really mad after that. I think I'll always carry a thing against government workers knocking on my door. I was upset that the letter even made it to me. It had no right. He had no right. Don't they have her death certificate on file? Is that another thing I have to do? Just seeing her name regressed what felt like all the progress I had made in moving on. I realized all that I'd been telling myself was a lie. I was still as bad as I was that night. Fortunately, it didn't take me long to calm down. Obviously, he was just doing his job. Probably delivered 15 of those today. None of those were for dead people, though. I figured that for sure. There was no malice or ill intent. He didn't know or care who I was. The universe didn't send him to remind me of something. It was just a stupid coincidence. He just didn't know that Jenny doesn't live here anymore. That was Jenny Doesn't Live Here Anymore, written, produced, and performed by me, Josh Ramirez. Remember, you can find us on Apple and Spotify podcasts, as well as YouTube. And if you'd like to see any of these covers, go ahead and check out my illustration Instagram at Company Time. If you're enjoying the content, please share it. And if you feel like it, go ahead and give us a review. we got a lot of cool stuff coming every Monday for the foreseeable future. So thank you so much for listening.